the Holy Spirit works in us to be more like Christ, and part of the fruit or results of that work is gentleness. Gentleness, also translated meekness, does not mean weakness. Rather, it involves humility and thankfulness towards God and polite, restrained behavior toward others. The opposites of gentleness are anger, a desire for revenge, and self-aggrandizement. It takes a strong person to be truly gentle. Jesus gave us the perfect picture of gentleness. See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. And now he offers us his gentleness as a gift. If we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, we will be filled with the fruit of gentleness. Well, here we are. Can you believe it that we're already now on week eight of nine sermons from the fruit of the Spirit? I want to show you a painting from 1520. And uh, I don't know if you can see that very well, but this is King Rehoboam, and he's holding up his little finger. And um, uh, he was the son and the successor of Solomon uh, in the 10th century. After Solomon died, it was Rehoboam that was ordained the king. And it re portrays Rehoboam as, as, as an arrogant man holding out his little finger. And what he's saying there is that my, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. In other words, he's saying, you think my, my father was great? Well, I'm even greater. Terrible, terrible arrogance here. Well, the assembly of Israel gathers for the coronation of Solomon's successor, his son Rehoboam, but uh, they don't want to just crown him without, first of all, getting a few things off their chest. And you, if you know the scripture, you know that Solomon was the greatest king in terms of his wealth and in terms of the amount of, of territory that he ruled over. Well, it takes a lot of money to run the court of Solomon. It takes a lot of money to maintain troops and to have the luxury that Solomon and his family and his many, many wives and concubines uh, enjoyed. So before this coronation takes place, they want reforms. The people want reforms. They don't want to be taxed at the same rate that they were taxed under Solomon. So uh, Rehoboam goes to the elders and asks for their opinion. How should I deal with this? And the older gentlemen, the older uh, men, the elders, that he was appealing to, uh, they counseled him to speak gently to the people, to be considerate, to listen to them, and to make the people feel that they were valued, that they're important, and that, that they were worth listening to. But the king, not content with that advice, went to some of his contemporaries, some of the younger men, and he asked their advice. And their advice was quite the opposite. They wanted Rehoboam to be firm and to be strong and to make it clear to the people that there was no way that he was going to budge on, on this policy of taxing the people as, as his father was taxing them. Sadly, these, these young men, they confused gentleness or meekness with weakness. Now, I want you to, to pay attention to that because this is what so many of us do. We confuse meekness 
with weakness. Well, the result was that Israel split into two countries, one called Judah and the other called the Israel. There's two tribes versus the 10 tribes. This, this mural here that was painted in 1820, it hung in the great council chamber of Basel Town Hall in Switzerland. And it hangs there as a reminder to the city councilors of the great need to govern wisely and in a godly manner. So, this morning we're talking about gentleness. It's the eighth item on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want you to recognize something this morning. It was due to the lack of gentleness. It was the arrogance of Rehoboam that cost him the majority of his country, splitting it in two. And I wonder today, before I go any further, what kind of disaster have you brought on yourself, on your family, on your business, because of your lack of gentleness? He made the mistake of thinking that gentleness was weakness. But what you're gonna see this morning is that far from being weak, weakness, gentleness is, in fact, great strength. It's what we might call strength under control. And so here we are. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let me just quickly share with you a simple definition um, of gentleness. Preotis meaning mildness or meekness, being even-tempered, and by implication, a humility. This is the exact opposite to what we see in King Rehoboam. Now, I like, what, uh, I like what one commentator said about gentleness. He said that gentleness is strength brought under control, which makes sense, because if you look at the root of preotis, it is the Greek word preos, which was used to define a horse trained for battle. This is the actual uh, word for it. So wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broken for riding. Some were used to pull wagons, some were raced, and the best were trained for warfare. They retained their fierce spirit, their courage and power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's leg. So the, the rider would just move his, his leg in slightly to the left or to the right, and the horse would go in whatever direction the rider was indicating, just through, through the slightest nudge or pressure. These horses could gallop into battle at 60 kilometers an hour and come to a sliding stop at just a, a word. They were not frightened by arrows, spears, or torches. They were said to be meat. M-E-E-K-E-D. Well, that's an old word that we don't use anymore, but it means gentle, being, being gentled, if you will. So to be meeked was to be taken from a state of wild rebellion and made completely loyal to and dependent upon one's master. Well, folks, this is exactly what happens to us when we become Christians. Who is our master? It's Jesus Christ, isn't it? And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, where at one time we were wild and rebellious. Once we were born again, once we received the Holy Spirit, we are meet, M-E-E-K-E-D, or we are made gentle. We're made like Christ. 
This is the evidence that you are converted. This is the evidence that you're born again. This is the evidence that the spirit of the living God is at work in you and through you. You have a gentleness that comes from heaven. And so we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek, or the gentle, means the same thing, for they shall inherit the earth. Now you would think the ones who are going to inherit the earth, the ones who are going to take over the, the world, would be the, the strong and mighty conquerors. They're the ones that will inherit the whole world. And yet Jesus says quite the opposite. Jesus says it's the gentle who conquer. It's the gentle who win in this life and, and for eternal life. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because for many of us, we've been listening to, uh, to the gurus on TV and we have read the books about how to exert yourself. There's books actually called that, how to exert yourself, how to put yourself forward, how to, how to get your way and how to have things turn out the way you want it to turn out. But Jesus tells us a whole different way. And it's the way of gentleness. It's the gentle who inherit the earth. It's the gentle who win. Now, I want you to see something very, very important and very, very interesting. Jesus says this of himself. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for what I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is the only, these are the only words that Jesus ever uses to describe his temperament, his personality. Very interesting. This gentleness, my friends, is, is the very character of Jesus Christ. It's the character that you and I are called to demonstrate. Now, if you're a salesman today, or you're a, a father, or you are uh, working with the public, maybe you're a receptionist, you answer phones, you maybe, uh, I know some were camp counselors this year. The most effective way for you to, to do your job is to, by being gentle. I know this morning we have a number of fathers here and mothers here, and I remember hearing King George V, I remember reading about this, where King George V said, I was terrified of my father, and I'm going to make, make blankety-blank sure that my kids are terrified of me. This, this used to be the way that, that uh, parents thought they needed to raise their children, not by being gentle, but by being firm and being harsh and actually terrifying your children. There's some people who are bosses that function in that manner. They think, the best way for me to get respect in this business is by being harsh, by being hard on the people that work for me because I don't want anybody walking over me. So rather than being gentle, what they are is they are harsh. We need to understand this morning that it is the gentle who have the strength. It is the gentle who inherit the earth. It is the gentle who have the strength to do what they need to do. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now that is really rich coming from the Apostle Paul. Because if, if, if there's anything that would mark the Apostle Paul is that he was not a gentle man. At least he was not a gentle man 
before he was converted. And you may remember the, the story of the Apostle Paul. We see him surfacing in Acts chapter 7. The church has just experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The church is born, and the apostles and the disciples of Christ are evangelizing, and people are getting saved. Lives are being transformed. And, and it looks like all of Jerusalem is going to end up following Christ. Now, some of these zealous Pharisees, such as the Apostle Paul, who before he was the Apostle Paul was Saul, he was not going to stand for this. He wanted to see this, this movement come to an end. So he began a, a terrible persecution. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 7, we see Saul standing, and standing over and supervising the stoning of Stephen. It's a, it's a very vivid picture of a, of a violent, angry, bitter man. He's, he's there to stamp out the church. He was, you might call him the persecutor. There's nobody more zealous than, than Saul, who became Paul, in persecuting the church. He was full of hatred, full of violence. And he did all this in the name of God. Isn't that interesting? How many times have we as Christians acted in error in the name of God? Being hateful, being even violent, and yet our master himself calls himself gentle and humble in heart. Well, you'll see why this is in just a moment. Why he is, I'll show you an example of how he is gentle and humble in heart and how you and I are called to be like him. So here's, here's the Apostle Paul, and he's persecuting the church, full of violence. And he's on his, on, on his way to Damascus to stamp out the church that has now uh, arisen there in Damascus. What would happen is, is that Christianity would, would come to various cities and towns and villages through the local synagogues, through Jewish people. They were the first ones to hear the gospel. They were the first ones to respond. In fact, you could say in the early days of the church that it was, it was Jewish. It was a Jewish church. Well, here he is on the way to Damascus, going there to stamp out the church there, and he has what we call a Damascus Road experience. He is con- fronted by Christ as a blinding light from heaven, and he's knocked off his, his, uh, the beast that, bo- that bo- bore him, and, and uh, he's on the ground, and the Lord speaks to him and says, why are you persecuting me, Paul, or Saul? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? And, and, and Jesus Christ reveals himself. He says, it's it's, if you, you think it's Christians, I'm paraphrasing now, you think it's Christians that you're persecuting, but it's me that you're persecuting. And right there, right then, this angry, bitter, violent, hate-filled man experiences Christ and he's converted. Now, he wants now to go and fellowship with Christians, but guess what? Christians don't want him coming anywhere near them. 
They believe that it's a ploy. It's a trick. He's pretending to be a Christian. And how does he pretend to be a Christian? By being gentle. Interesting, isn't it? Well, it takes, it takes a vision, and God sends a godly man to go and assist Saul, who then becomes Paul, and teaches him the ways of Christ. The violent and angry Saul becomes Paul. And so important is this message of being gentle that we find in 13 of Paul's epistles, we find 12 exhortations to be gentle. We read in Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Did you hear that? Restore them gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Philippians 4.5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This violent, hate-filled man is truly converted. And now his, his demeanor has changed, his behavior has changed, his heart is changed, and his message is changed. This is what happens when you and I are born again. This is what happens when Christ gets a hold of our hearts and lives. And so I want to ask you the question this morning, would you characterize yourself as gentle? And you may sit here this morning thinking, yeah, I think I would. Well, if you're not sure, ask your wife. Or ask your husband. Or better yet, ask your kids. They'll tell you whether they see you as somebody who is gentle Ask the people you work with. And if you're a boss, ask your employees. Listen, this is what it means to be a Christian. You and I are imitators of Christ who defines himself as gentle and humble in heart. Now, I told you before that this behavior and what we call the fruit of the Spirit, this this, these character traits, is not something that you and I can generate on our own. The Apostle Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit as a checklist. And again, I told you this before, this is something that I rehearse, I go over in my head all the time. Love, joy, am I love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Is that evident in the life of Alan Duncalf? If something is missing, then that is a great big red flag that something is not right in your, in your life. Something is not right in your relationship with God. And it's something that you need to get sorted out immediately. Remember, we said it is the fruit of the Spirit. And when we talk about the, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's singular, and it's a package deal. So if it's not all there, then there's something that's wrong. And you need to find out what that is. You need to get before the Lord, and you need to ask him to examine your heart. You need to ask God to help you see where you are in error. Why am I not gentle? Why, why have I lost my gentleness? Why am I angry? 
Why am I so uptight? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so nasty to people around me? Why am I harsh towards the girl that serves me at Superstore? Why am I impatient with the fellow who's pumping gas into my car? Why am I impatient with the person on the phone who's phoning to ask uh, about how I spend my money and how I, uh, what I do with my life? You get any of those kind of calls? This is, we're, we're calling you because we're doing a survey and we want to know uh, how you live. And you're tempted to say, look, mind your own business. <laughs> but then you remember you're a Christian. Now, in case anybody's here this morning thinking that being gentle is, is, is weakness, that, that that means that you just let people walk all over you, you don't understand what gentleness is. We're not talking about being a doormat. We're saying that, that you, yes, you need to be firm, you need to state what it is that you want, but you need to do it politely, gently. This is, this is the mistake that so many people make when we talk about being, being meek or being humble or being uh, gentle. You think, well, that means I gotta be a doormat. No, you don't have to be a doormat for anybody. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are saying is that you keep yourself under control. So when, when you come under attack, you don't attack back. You just stay calm and peaceful. You don't lose your top. So how's it going in the gentleness area in your life? Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the soldiers come to arrest him, he's totally gentle. He's, he's meek. Now understand that Jesus is the king of kings. And he had at his disposal multitudes of angels, the mighty hosts of heaven. He could have called them down at any moment and wiped out anybody who would come against him. But he didn't. He functions from a position of gentleness. And so we see in that not weakness, but unbelievable strength of character. Now, I said that you can't produce this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to produce it in you. So then you're, you may be tempted to ask the question, well, if it's out of my control, why should we even talk about this? Pastor Allen, why are we, why are we having this discussion this morning if, if it's totally out of my control? Well, I said to you a few weeks ago, that what we're doing as Christians is we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand what it is that God wants to produce in you. So that when you're tempted to blow up and lose your cool, the Holy Spirit will be prompting you and nudging you and poking you to be gentle. And you'll know exactly what you need to do because the Spirit of God is at work in you. Now, one of the things that, that so many people do not understand is that Christianity is not, is not for observers. It's for practitioners. It's for people who are actually active in their faith. You don't observe Christianity. You practice Christianity. And so what you need to know is the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in you. And the Holy Spirit is there to prompt you and to nudge you and to guide you in the way that you should go. 
Now, sadly, it, for some of us, it's, it, we keep, we keep ha- having to go through these, these mistakes where we do the wrong thing, and then we, we feel, feel depressed. We feel that, you know, I failed God. I, I failed as a Christian. What's, what's the point of going on? Well, here's the good news, is that Jesus invites us to come to him with our weariness, with our burdened heart, with our guilt. God, I failed you. And he says, come to me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and we're going to try it again. We're, Jesus does not give up on you. He does not give up on me. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. He's not done with you. He's your work in progress. And so we talk about this because we need to understand what it is that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in us so that when he prompts us and nudges us to be gentle, we will, in fact, respond appropriately. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. The only way that you and I are going to be able to imitate Christ or to be like him is by observing his life. I think... uh, I think that we often forget the gentleness of Christ. And when things seem to be going well for us, we can forget this and we can actually become quite judgmental and we can actually be quite condemning of other people. Remember the Pharisees, they, in John chapter 8, they brought a woman to Jesus who was caught in adultery. And I had to know how on earth that happens. How do you catch somebody in adultery? But nevertheless, they, they found her. And uh, the Pharisees told Jesus that the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. And Jesus, in verse 7, responds, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he puts his head down and he starts drawing in the sand. And he looks up and everyone's gone. There's not one person is able to throw a stone. Why? Because there's not one person there without sin. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you for a moment. Because here's what you know if you just stop and think about it for a moment. There are no perfect people. And there are no people who are perfect like Christ. Now if Jesus, who is perfect, can look at this woman and say, go now and leave your life of sin, how much more should you and I be the same? How much more should you and I be gentle towards the sinner? Now, in case you're wondering who the sinners are in your life, let me remind you. It's the person who's sitting beside you on the left (laughs) and on the right. And behind you, and in front of you, yes, and even on this platform. Here we are, a room full of sinners in need of God's grace. Amen? Amen. Now, if Jesus, who is perfect, can extend gentleness towards the sinner, how much more should you and I be doing the same? Look, folks, even in our sin, God is gentle with us. 
There are no perfect people in this room. And if there is, would you come up here and finish off for me today? Because you'd be far more qualified than, than me. Jesus is gentle with us. He's merciful to us. He's gracious and kind to us. And he calls us to be the same way with others. The question is this, is are you kind and are you gentle? Let's bring this a little closer to home. You who have children, are you gentle with your children? Or do you yell at them and scream at them? Because that's the way that the message is going to really get through, right? Yeah, wrong. If you want to make a, a big impact on your children and if you want to see transformation in your children, try gentleness. Try speaking gently to your child. Look him in the eyes. Look her in the eyes. And give instructions as Jesus would do it. Husbands, you want to have a good marriage? Speak gently to your wife. Don't raise your voice to her. Don't be violent. Be gentle. For violence is the opposite of gentleness. You say, I, I've never hit my wife. Yeah, but you beat her up verbally. Bosses. Bosses here, you've got employees under you. Try gentleness. For this is the nature and the character of Christ. You have a problem neighbor? Try gentleness. But Pastor Allen, you don't know my neighbor. I might not know your neighbor, but I know human nature. Try gentleness. Don't raise your voice. Don't get angry. Be gentle. Anybody can get angry. Anybody can raise their voice. But it takes true Holy Spirit strength to cause you to act and react in gentleness. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you this morning for Jesus Christ who has set for us an example that we should follow in his steps. Father, we pray this morning that our lives would, would truly mirror the life of Christ so that all who look to us would see Jesus. Help us to see today, Lord, that gentleness is, in fact, who Jesus was. Father, thank you this morning that it's not, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's your spirit at work in us. God, give us the grace and the strength to respond positively to the promptings of your spirit. We're tempted to blow up and get angry and, and teach somebody a lesson and, and return hatred for hatred. God, remind us that 
we are children of God. We are followers of Jesus Christ, who is, in fact, gentle and humble of heart. God grant that we may respond to the prompting of the Spirit. God, we know now what it is that you're trying to produce in us. Help us now to cooperate with your Spirit. And we thank you, God, that as we cooperate with your Spirit, you will produce in us that kind of gentleness. God, because we want our husbands, we want our wives to see us as gentle. We want our children to respond to us. And God, we thank you this morning that you do not deal with us as we deserve. You have been gentle with us. You've been gracious to us. And we give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. We're going to take a moment right now to partake of communion together. Just just, uh, bow your heads, please, and just prepare your hearts to receive communion this morning. Communion is uh, is something that was given to us by the Lord Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, he met with his disciples in the upper room, and, and there they, they had the Passover meal together. Before we participate, I want to just remind everybody today that Taking part in communion is, is a way to receive God's grace. It's a means of grace. And what do we mean by that? Well, folks, you and I are sinners. We all know that. And some of you have come here this morning feeling particularly guilty due to sin. But here's the good news. Is that Jesus Christ's death on the cross the shedding of his blood, the breaking of the bread. It's a reminder to us that he has died for us. He has taken away our sin. So this this meal, the Lord's Supper, as we sometimes call it, this is not for perfect people. It's not even 
for people who have been living sin-free for, for weeks or months or decades. It's for sinners. And as we partake of this meal together, we're reminding ourselves and reminding each other that Jesus Christ has washed away our sin, that Jesus Christ has given us new life through Christ. It's a reminder. Jesus says, do this in, in memory of me. Because we need to be reminded that our sins have been dealt with and our sins are washed away. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it after he had given thanks and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's take it together, shall we? And so, Father, we thank you this morning for your body was given for us. We thank you, Lord, that this is for, done for sinners. And as we sit here this morning, we all know that we are sinful. And we are reminded this morning that there's things that we said this week, things that we did, moments when we lacked gentleness, moments when we lacked love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And yet, God, we understand that even though we fail and even though we sin, you do not reject us. We recognize that Christ's sacrifice at the cross was sufficient to cover all our sin. For that, we give you thanks. In the same manner, after Jesus broke the bread, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I return. Let's take it together, shall we? Let's stand, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning for this bread and drink. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder that we take this as a family. We call it communion because we are made one through Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that what Christ did at the cross, he did for us as individuals, but he did this for his church, his beloved church, the church that he died for. Thank you this morning, O oh God, that as we gather here together in your name, your spirit is at work here. And your spirit is transforming us. And your spirit is, is teaching us. And your spirit is guiding us. And we thank you, O oh God, that we don't, we don't function like sheep without a shepherd, but we have the, the blessed good shepherd who leads us and guides us by his spirit. Help us, we pray, O oh God, to, to respond in faithfulness, respond in obedience. Help us, O oh God, to respond by imitating Jesus. So we thank you, O oh God, for the great work that you've done in us and you're doing in us by your Spirit. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name.
And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go and be a gentleman.